0: There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. This is your first time to the show. Welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, We are still in the United States this week. Um, I've been traveling all around the world having these fantastic conversations, thankfully I don't, I don't leave my desk though. I wish I did. Uh, I would love you to meet Arthur Zards who is the, uh, organizer behind TEDx Naperville. And, uh, before people leave the podcast and go Google Naperville, Arthur, why don't you tell us where Naperville is?
1: We're a suburb of the city of Chicago, about 23 miles directly West of downtown Chicago.
0: So I was at TEDx Midwest. I'm gonna say five years ago with Mike Hetwer yeah. and that group. Yeah. So I don't think he's done one the last couple of years, has he?
1: No, uh, they did three of them, and then it was kind of a, now it's on permanent hiatus. And I think it's just because of the the resources and the organization and the time and effort.
0: Oh, you mean this is these are hard to do and expensive and take a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> We did, uh, yeah. we did our first, we did uh, 10, 10, 10, 11, 11, 11, and 12, 12, 12. Uh, and, I, and we just dropped the mic and said, we're retired. And that lasted two years. And we, <laughs> then we did the live and did all of that. So when, when was your, what was your first TED? Now, I know you've done a lot of actives, but what was your first TED experience?
1: The first experience, I want to say, was late 90s, early 2000s. and It's been a while I had a client and I was in their office and I saw a book on their table that said Ted on it and I'm like, "Oh, what's huh. this?" and I opened it up and it was some DVDs or oh, CDs, DVDs. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you... and it was pictures. I'm like, "What's this?" And he's like, "Oh, it's this conference, you know." And he's telling right. me about it. I'm like, "Wow, right. that sounds so cool." And I was hooked from that point and when and when so I was aware of what Ted was and right. I always wanted to go, but it was still pretty cost prohibitive, although yeah, in sure. retrospect it was probably a steal. And then when the talks came online, it was like, you know, love at first sight. You just fell in love with the TED Talks, and uh, here we are.
0: It's interesting, the philosophy difference between Richard and Chris in terms of the content. Chris is, it's all about ideas we're sharing. I mean, it's it's the moniker Mm -hmm. for the whole, it's our mission statement. With Richard, it was... We would get the DVDs probably three months later because that was all free, freely done. Uh, then they would be sent to us, but we weren't allowed to share them and we no weren't kidding. allowed to have viewing parties or do that kind of, it was for our personal enjoyment. And it was kind of a big deal that it was for your personal enjoyment only, not to be shared. Just hmm. interesting. Uh, little, little, uh, Ted trivia for you. So you started watching the videos. They came out in 06. Um, there were those eight. Do you, do you remember one where you just went? Oh, man. Now I'm hooked.
1: Yeah, it was uh, uh, Rory, I don't remember his name, but it's the, uh, the ad man, the, the British guy who talks about advertising, oh. and I want to say it's Rory something, but uh, he just talked about advertising and, and persuasion, and I was hooked right from that, and then Malcolm Gladwell's Spaghetti Sauce was another one that was yeah. an early, everybody oh remembers that God. one. Yeah, of
0: course we do, right? I mean, yeah. it's... it's <laughs> It's funny, like your first date, what was your first TED Talk? Um, <laughs> so you've been – so what, what was your first TEDx that you did in Naperville?
1: So, you know, I'm one of those people, and I, I was similar to Kat Haber when I heard you, you interviewing her. I was watching TED Talks online, and when I got that email, here's how bizarre oh. I am. When I saw the email that you can get licensed for TEDx, yeah. I was actually – I wasn't actually – in a severe panic thinking that, oh my God, everybody in the world is going to want to do this. I better get my license now before they're all full. So oh, I like ran right. home and I, I <laughs> got my license immediately thinking that like the entire world is going to do TEDx events sure. and I didn't want to lose out on sure. the opportunity. And that was in 2009. Yep. Yep. Uh, and now I've done one a year and now we're in this November 10th, we'll be doing our eighth, uh full full-scale event
0: well we're that makes us tedx brothers i think because we're on november 11th
1: yeah and i did one on 11 11 11 too which is interesting i, and I remember I, looking at the clock when i was on the way home and it was 11 11 on 11 11 11 oh, and i'm never gonna no. forget that moment
0: oh dude i've got i'm totally gonna do that we are gonna have a moment of silence when that happens um the uh <laughs> especially just at 11 11 we um we're, we're fans of our veterans. I mean, I think as we all are, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, we've just been conjuring up uh, interesting ways to have an homage to the veterans without it being a Veterans Day Ted, right? You know, you want to, we got to yeah. do something. So, um, I saw on your website though, that there was a blog post about how to convince your boss to let you have the day off to go to TEDx because your TEDx is on a Friday. Is that what yeah. it was?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. How many people come to your show? Uh, right now, we it's about seven hundred people, and we cap it. We probably could go more, but we keep it at seven hundred. Really stretching the limit for time and resources. Right. Tell me about the venue. Uh, it's a it's a twelve hundred person venue, but it's designed like a. Very modern coffee, like almost like a Starbucks-esque with a gymnasium, with a giant theater. And by keeping people off the balcony with 700 people, it looks full and it feels full, but it's got a wide open stage. It has a lot of really good uh, LED technology for the the screens and for the video. Oh, nice. uh, They love us and we love them, so it's a really good relationship.
0: How many years have you been there?
1: This will be our third year there. We used to be at a smaller venue for about 300 people. Tell, and, tell me
0: know. about going from 300 to 700. I'm, 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 I'm personally interested because TEDx Santa Barbara, we love our 300 person theater, and we love the intimacy and how close you are. And I was talking to TEDx Kansas City, and Mike was saying that even though they have 3,000 people. No one is more than a hundred feet from the stage, the way that the configuration of that theater. So that uh-huh. still feels he, you know, he says, "Oh, we love our intimate." And I went, "Dude, you have, you have three thousand people. How is that <laughs> intimate, right? Um, right?" And they, but they've gone to great lengths to preserve the intimacy. So tell me about the the, the discussion uh, when you had the debate internally to go from three hundred to seven hundred.
1: Well, luckily for us, it was pretty simple because the, the we. we we wanted to move out of the venue. They didn't really like us. It was not a great. It was. <laughs> it was they put up with us. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and they're good people, but they're like we we're, were not our welcome. And the only venues that would fit us were the larger size. Ah, uh, right. But sure. It, it is a constant. That's one of the internal battles that I have. Uh, like you talk about slaying the dragon, because even seven hundred is pushing the limit. We'd like five hundred, and then we yeah. opened it up for hundred more. And 300, 350 was a really good number for us because people could engage when they're not speaking, you know, and it, it's all about right. the discussions and the yeah, conversations. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. And with 500 and 700, you're really getting to that point where somebody might see somebody once, they don't see them again. And mm-hmm. we don't want that. We really want to get the community involved. So it's a constant battle. Do we go bigger? Do we go smaller? Uh, so yeah, what I don't have know. you
0: done? What have you done special to account for that specifically?
1: Nothing special, just more one year we really went bonkers and had almost like a miniature uh, museum like uh, on one of the floors of the venue space to really get people in a, a small space to learn about what's happening in our community. Huh. And we had a lot of exhibits, but it was almost overload. Right. And last year we actually did a little bit less exhibits and kept them more simple, and that seemed to actually have a better response than going overboard. So we're constantly playing around and adjusting. And right. I don't know if there's a magic formula, but yeah, I don't know. Well, okay. So you have, and
0: a listener, I will put a link to this. There's a, you've got a, a micro site on your site called engagement.tedxnaperville.com. T- tell me about mm-hmm. that. Cause I'm, it, it's, it feels like you guys have tried a lot of different things. Is that true?
1: Oh yeah. Our, we're kind of known, with the people that know about us, we're known for the very experiential, very engaging. We'll do, if you can think of it, we'll do it. If you think we can't do it, we'll figure it out and make it happen anyway. We're all about getting people engaged and getting people, you know, put down their phones and actually have real conversations. And I've I've always been a fan of stealing everybody else's ideas of and course. share alike. So we started the engagement project by, you know, every time I'd go to another TEDx event, I'd run into organizers. Organizers and I'd be like, "That's a brilliant idea! Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a great idea! Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we just collect those and put them on a website that you can just search and borrow and steal and innovate from other people? And that's right. where we came up with the engagement project. Oh, I love that!
0: Yeah, I. It, one of the things I, I love about this this uh, organization, this group of people, is the spirit by which we collaborate. It 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 is of all the groups I've ever been in, it is the most truly, genuinely free giving collaboration because we're not competing with one another. There's zero competition. We're not competing for money. We're not competing for audience. We're not competing for mind share. We're not even mm-hmm. competing for who has the biggest head or who has the most views or I mean, there's not, I mean, there's almost an anti-competition vibe, right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, right. So, so in that spirit, I've never been in a group like that before and I am quite warmed up to it. I mean, and my crew, you know, when they come on board, it's like I'm as um, interested in having them jump into the hub and go and just go crazy. Go look at you know a thousand different ways somebody has done an org chart or has done an activation. Like go, go, just get soak that up, and everybody will actually appreciate the fact that we took a little bit from here and a little bit from there, and through this show. It's kind of the same thing, right? We're getting good ideas from a lot of great people and trying to put them into place, uh both at our show and everybody else is stealing from all of us. So there you go, brother. That's how it works. Right? I've,
1: already, I've already stole a bunch of comments from your from your, uh, <laughs> your guests already. <laughs> I mean, but I even tell people, I'm like, I, this is not my idea. This is from somebody else, and I and right? I use, yeah, it's hilarious. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna steal that one. <laughs>
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole, point. I'm so glad to hear that. And and next time you do it, just leave a little comment there. So we know that that was a stealable thing with, um, with you being in that part of the country, I know there's a lot of TEDx's there. Do you, do you get in the car on the weekends and, and drive for a couple of hours and go to other TEDx's? Do you kind of make a habit of that?
1: I, I've maybe been to like 15 or 20 total, but there's actually technically there's not a lot. Compared to other parts of the country, uh, Chicago, the, the Midwest doesn't have one anymore. Uh, University of Chicago or Loyola University might have an event here and there, but we really don't have. Uh, there's not a big following. It's it's picking up now in the Midwest. We're we're about like five years behind uh, west and east coast, I'd say. So it's not a lot of driving drivable ones.
0: But you've been to twenty. Do you have a do you have a favorite regional one that you you think
1: was yeah, good. TEDx Beacon Street is a favorite. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what what John does, he gets a bunch of. There's usually about fifty to hundred TEDx organizers together, and it's almost like a mini TED because you hang out together. I've learned so much from so many people and some really good relationships on a global sense. It's like a miniature TED. And you and, spoke and
0: a, at um, Beacon Street, right? Yeah, I did. So what I'll do is I'll put a link in that because you were talking about adventures, which um, I I've not been bold enough yet to to try to add that on top of everything else really? that we're doing but i don't know the more i talk to you guys i'm thinking well maybe i'll just throw it out to my crew and say does someone want to chew on this
1: you you've got to do an adventure we did them the same year that john warner at tetix speaking street you know put together he has a whole toolkit on how to do it you'd be amazed of how passionate adults are with field trips it's something that when you're younger you, as a kid you love field trips you go to the zoo And people still have that passion. They're just waiting for somebody to to do it. And what what we love about it is that we go to like the Fermi Lab or Argonne National Laboratory. Yeah. And the whole objective is that you have 40 people that don't know each other, but they're all, that one commonality is science. Yeah. So once they get there, they start talking, they're engaging, they're having discussions. Then they come to our event, they see the speaker, they have more discussions. So it really gets people engaged and excited for the full day. It's very invigorating. Do you tie the adventure to the speaker? We try to. A perfect a perfect home run for us is where they go to the Fermi lab. Yeah. They they go on a tour and the instructor goes, here's the office where that person works and they can see the, the messy desk and the whiteboard. Right. right. Then they see the person talk and then they get to meet them. That's the perfect trifecta for us.
0: So your adventure is the day before.
1: No, the same day. Same. We do them from. Yeah. Nine till 12. And then our event starts at one o'clock. Oh,
0: okay. And so, but not everybody, how many adventures do you
1: have? So, Last year it was a 750 person event, and we did adventures for about 350 people. Oh my God. So it's roughly about half. Wow.
0: And okay, so the logistics of that, my mind just blew up. How many people does it take to pull that off?
1: You know, we have some very organized people, which is not me. And they, <laughs> I think they had, and this extremely organized and I think they had a staff of like 50 each adventure has an adventure host and their job is just to maintain who shows up where answer questions yep and the adventure leads it's it's actually less work than you think it sounds like it's a logistical nightmare but when you give somebody hey you're going to handle the zoo you're going to handle the waste treatment plant when you give them that that power to to run the event it's 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 relatively easy in in the bigger picture and did you get a do you get a transportation partner to help no, people just drive and they just give instructions where to meet and people show up. So wow. we just keep it very simple. Wow.
0: I'm 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 think I'm going to do a show on adventure and uh you can hook me up with Beacon Street and I should talk to John and uh get a sense of how we think we do a whole show just on adventures.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah. So
0: one of the things that I'm always interested in is we have this Format that we do our shows in. And, and we, if we want to go beyond 100 people, we know we have to go to a, a global or a, a TED Summit or a TED Active or something like that, where then we can, we take the governor off of us, right? We have as many people as we want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so we can get a sense of what a, a TED organized, what that brand looks like, right, in person. Mm-hmm. And... yeah. And so that we know what the format is. We've got a red circle. We've got, I mean, all of that stuff. But everybody takes a little different spin on it, right? A little different, like a little on it, right? So what is it that you do at Naperville to make it your own?
1: We're very big on uh, the experiential side of things where we want people, the minute they walk in the door, know, know that this is not your typical conference. This is something completely different. We try to get them engaged, multi-sensory. We try to get the speakers oh. to, to break out of the typical, you know, we really try to get people to break out of, the, of what they think a TED Talk is, or what they're supposed to do or how they're, how they're supposed to act. And we do some really crazy things. And, you know, we came up with a concept, and I think it's on the TEDx Hub called Speaker Cubed, that everybody goes through. We have a model uh, for all our, our volunteers on how to turn an event into an experience. And we really try to push the boundaries on the experience you know we kind of want to hit people over the head with, yeah. with something that's different than what they're used
0: to so give me an example when you say break out of what you think a ted talk is give me an example
1: of that so like one thing we do in the speaker cube concept is we, we approach each speaker and saying, listen, it's not math- mathematically accurate, but we say we want you, you to give three values of your talk. You can come up on our stage, give the best talk ever, standing ovation, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But challenge yourself to add a second and a third value. How can you add multi-sensory to your talk? Taste, touch, feel, smell. How can you add something that's interactive before the event, after the event, six months after the event? And when you... What I've found out is so many speakers, especially now, they they know what TED Talks are, and in in their head they think, oh, I just go on stage and I give the talk of my life. Right. But when you start planting in their head that you really want to break the boundaries, uh, great examples. We had a a world champion skydiver who did like a hundred sixty four person formation in Illinois, broke a world record, and I and he had a great talk on how that how to put that together. And when I started talking about the speaker cube concept, he's like, oh, so I could like film like. In the air or something? I'm like, oh, sure, a drone. Dude, yeah, sure. He's like, no, no, not a drone. How Me. about I jump out of an airplane, <laughs> and I'll I'll film myself, and I'll land in the parking lot. I'm oh like, my gosh, oh, okay. And and he did. So we recorded it two weeks earlier. Yeah. You see him in his you see him on his house. He's he gets in his plane. He flies. He jumps out of the airplane. He lands in the parking lot. And we made it look like he went backstage carrying all his equipment. And he comes yeah, out on yeah. stage with his full outfit on. Oh my. God. And you know. I don't. I didn't have that idea, and he had it. You know, we've had right. we had an Olympic medalist who's is very humble, and with a speaker cube concept, he's like, well, I guess I could bring my medal, and people can see what a silver medal looks like. I'm like, absolutely. You know, so people get to hold and touch an Olympic sure, silver sure, medalist. Sure.
0: So there's you three know, things. So I got multi-century, I got interactive. What's the third one? Or rather, what's the first one?
1: The first one is just their content alone. Your content is still right, king. right. But how can you right. add, can you... you know, and it could be very simple. Like just last year, there's a speaker talking about these, these a community that did these uh, gardens in the city. And she's like, Oh, so w- can we bring in some of the salsa that we make and bring, have the kids? Absolutely. Yeah, and it yeah, really yeah. opens them up yeah, to go yeah. beyond.
0: I like that, that speaker cube. And we can find that on the hub. Yes, we can. And if you send me a link to that, I'll include that in the show note because people will, um, will love that. I, that's, that's such a great idea because, you know, we're always, all of us were curating and coaching and trying to get them to, you know, we know they're going to do the talk of their life, but now adding these other layers is just another opportunity for, as you say, the experience. This was the, um I have to tell you this show. um, I know people are listening to it and they love the ideas. And if you've already said, you've taken some of those ideas. When I talked to TEDx Wellington, and i found out that hannah was the director of user experience i was like what there's actually that's a title and i hadn't really known that right and i thought Mm -hmm. huh and her whole job is like how do we make the experience awesome i'm a software guy so i get user experience so that was not hard for me to do lateral thinking to come across and say oh what's the user experience layer or, or, um, uh, yeah, layer is a great way to think of it of an event. And you would think having done as many of these as I'd done, I would have figured that one out, but I didn't. And I now have, and we have that person. So I, I Excellent. get that, um, how important it is. So having done this since, well, you've been around Ted since the early 2000, you've done since 2009, uh, two years, you'll have your 10 year anniversary. Are there any surprises left for you? Or have you seen it all?
1: I mean, there's always a surprise. Every year, there's another surprise. And it's it just happens organically. There's a, and I mean, when I mean surprise, I mean exciting surprise. There's always mm. something. And it's really weird. Because every year, I'm thinking that, man, we've got to keep challenging ourselves. And we do. Right. But something there's always an opportunity that opens up for something that's completely different. And, and how we can really get involved with the community. And it's happened every year. So that's, that, that's one thing that keeps me going, knowing that next year will be different. And we really... Like I said we really try to push the envelope on what we're doing. We don't like. We're always changing. We don't want to do the same thing uh, every year. That's so so stay
0: on, stay on that for a second. There's some folks that would suggest, or what they've said, is they do incremental change. They change, you know, they pick one or two things to change. They don't do wholesale change. Where are you at on that? Do you wholesale change each year and kind of reinvent no, yourself?
1: No, no, it's it's incremental, but it's when we make those incremental changes, they they can be kind of a little bit on the drastic side. So it's not uh I'm trying to think of a good example. A good example is a lot of TEDx organizers or what's popular now is people do those scribes or the cartoonists that yeah, yeah. draw like sure, a mind map. Sure, sure. And we we did that for a year I'm like, no, let's let's change that. We gotta let's completely change that's that's boring. It's for us. People have already done that. So we went the creative route, and we found uh, a balloon artist who makes balloon animals for kids' parties. Oh, and the challenge was – and I had an inkling that these, these people are artists. They, they have to have a passion that they want, really want to explore and like, hey, do you want to make giant balloon sculptures for each of our talks? And the guy went bonkers, and he made these like 15-foot giant balloon sculptures. He spent weeks in preparation to symbolize each talk. So instead of having a scribe, we had a balloon artist. I then the, I, ne- I, the photos, next show we get a painter.
0: Photos. Need for, photos link, please. I've got to see these. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> because I interviewed the uh the scribe for TEDx Canberra. Uh his show will come up in the next couple of weeks. And he's done fifty TEDxes, but he, he lives in a little town outside of Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. He watches the live stream. He's got three people in his crew. He watches the live stream and then he's doing a pen and ink. In a digital pen and ink version of the talk we've seen visual scribing then when the talk is done he passes it to his guy who does the ink and paint if you will and then he passes it to the social guy and within half an hour of the talk that image is out on the socials for you know for the world and it helps what? promote yeah right crazy He's like, send send me the link. I will. (laughs) (laughs) I will totally do that. And it was funny because at the end of our discussion, he goes, Oh, well send me the audio for this and I'll do a visual. I'll do a visual scribe of our conversation. I was like, okay, done and done. (laughs) That's so cool. Right. So
1: a a secret we're trying to do this year, and this is exploratory. Secret? we can't tell anybody. I can tell you because other TEDx organizers might want to do this or they've done it. So we've done the scribe. We've done, painting, we've done the balloon artist. This year we're thinking, what about multi-sensory? What about we get somebody that's a DJ that can spin music that represents each talk? And at the end of the at the end of the event, like a week later, people get a soundtrack that they produce for each talk. And we're not sure if it's going to work or not, but hey, why not? Give it a shot and see what happens.
0: Okay. So let me let me take that riff on that. I'm an improver as well. So I love improv. So I love to take the little idea and go someplace with it. So Mm -hmm. um uh the famous glass artist in Seattle, Dale, help me with the last name. Uh and why and my my listener right now, I know you're screaming at me because I can't <laughs> remember his name. That's okay. Um, he's a famous Tedster, but he did a performance piece when he designs his glass sculptures. These are he's the top guy in the world. He has this rack of tubes of paint, like in mustard jar bottles, those squeeze bottles Mm -hmm. with maybe a hundred colors. And then he has a huge four by four, um, paper on the ground. He stands over it and you can see him dribbling and pouring the paint and making art. And then he takes that and he says, okay, we're going to make glass that looks like that. You're like, Whoa. Okay. Didn't even know that was part of his process. So what he did was, ucla chamber orchestra so it's like four or five pieces in a little chamber group mm-hmm. they're on stage playing and he's doing art while they're playing and his music is inspiring them and their his art is inspiring i mean it's always like okay crazy so now i'm thinking that you've got somewhat this talk is inspiring the artist that is inspiring the painter right yeah crazy. that's wild I love all of that. huh? See, see where we went listener. You didn't even, I, that, my big surprise was finding that what, what's been, you know, it's, we, we love doing these events. There's so much good stuff that happens, but we all also know that underneath that pile of gold is a big old dragon waiting for us. Uh, What's, what's, what's the dragon for you?
1: You know, ours, it's a, it's, we do a poor job of promoting ourselves, uh, right. in our community in general. And I don't know if it's just because we've never had a really good marketing person on our team, but our, our, our team is, we're not self, we're not good self promoters. And I don't know if it's just because we're so passionate about what we do, yeah. but we're still running into people in our community that, that have never heard of us. They're like there's a, there's a TEDx event here and, and. It's a shame because the the more exposure we have the more we can elicit sure. change the better we can get partners yep. partners are always a challenge. Yeah. But it's it's frustrating because we're like my first conversation is like oh yeah we're Ted oh you don't know what TEDx you don't know what TED is? And then you're <laughs> then I kind of like what do I say? <laughs>
0: right. Right. You've not seen a TED talk. Who's Ted? You know, that's yeah. the one I get. Who is this Ted guy and when is he talking? Um TEDx Kansas City they're primary organizer is, uh, an ad and marketing communications company. So those are the guys who run that event. So that's kind of in their DNA to do that. But uh-huh. what he was saying to me was a tip for organizers is go find the top marketing communications company in your town and bring them on board as a partner and have, you know, and just kind of give that to them. Uh, I know our, we've partnered with a firm, uh, that's in Sydney, actually, right? No kidding. Yeah. So they've, they have, uh, she used to live in Santa Barbara and, and helped us out here and then kind of split the company and they're in Santa Barbara and Sydney. But she's still, I think we've got 15 people in her crew, right? So they're divided be- and, and the, the Sydney crew volunteers their time at Sydney. So that's maybe the what you need to do is start you know put a specialized list and say hey we're looking for this kind of company to come partner with us
1: yeah we need to do something it's just a, it's a hassle it, it you know that that part
0: of it is tough because we live in it and we breathe it and you know uh you've 17 years you've been doing this and you go what do you mean you haven't heard to what and and you know you're talking to a reasonably intelligent person
1: <laughs> absolutely it catches you off guard you're like oh uh like yeah. how, how is that? What, what advice,
0: you know, it's kind of hard to think back to the first timer, but what advice would you give to first timers? We've got a lot of people who are listening who are um <clears throat> either just getting ready to do their first show, have just finished their first show or are considering, do they want to go and, you know, apply for a license and do a show? <laughs>
1: Yeah, a good question because I do some mentoring of other TEDx events, oh, and i, I kind of have a I kind of have a three three role thing that oh, I, I really it. try to Great. make sure they remember. And the first one I love the most is that always remember content is king. Yeah, it doesn't matter how big you are, it doesn't matter where you are, how much money. Content is king, and I just repeat that over and over again. And the best example for that is I tell people to watch the Simon Sinek talk on how uh, the the Golden Circle.
0: Yep. 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 The,
1: that launched his career that launched an entire movement of, of searching for why. And if you watch that talk, it was done at TEDx Puget sound, I believe. Yep, Sure was. And it's on a small stage on a flip chart. It, on a, and it even says office Depot on the flip chart. His microphone has <laughs> a green piece of tape on it. The film quality is kind of crappy. The theater is small and his microphone even breaks halfway through and they give him another mic and everything was working against it. But that talk was so freaking powerful. And that, that's the, Proof beyond doubt that content is king, and it's you, that has to be the focus because it, it you really want people to focus on that versus the shiny new theater with the technology and the no just focus on the content.
0: Number two, uh,
1: I get the, number two is I tell people to uh, print out this quote and put it behind their monitors so they can see it on a daily basis, and the quote's pretty much that there's no secret to a successful TEDx event, but the secret to failure is trying to please everybody and it's very easy to get caught in the trap when you're you're starting out that you really want to make sure everybody's happy and you're leading this thing and, and you just can't you have to make decisions that that are going to get people upset uh give me, an, ex- do give me an
0: example of that
1: ooh uh, p- diff- different conflicting ideas different personalities where somebody wants to do a somebody wants to do b and you can't do both it's just being you know instead of trying to placate everybody you've got to pick and it leads into to rule number 3 is it's Remember, it's your show. And what I really love about the, the X for the independently organized TEDx event is that it has the DNA of the, of the <sighs> license holder, the cure, that person that has that license. And never forget that because I just don't want to see s- organizers that are starting that think that, well, this is the way it's supposed to go or this is the way that people mm. are saying it should go. And, and deep in their heart, I call it the deeper truth. If you have that deeper truth of how you want that event to go – and that means you have to make some tough decisions. Stick to your gut because it's your show, and you know you need to make those tough calls. Don't let other people. Again, it's a balance because you have to build a team, which is it's critical to have a team. But don't let other people or don't, don't let other events how they operate dictate how you want to do your show because you're the license holder. It's your show and and run run with your deeper truth.
0: Okay, so stay with that for a second. We have done. Oh, by the time this is out, the about 50 shows out there. And we just should then take this as just guidance. This is how one cat did it and just kind of listen to that and feel what part resonates with you and don't feel like you have to do any of these, but boy, if there's one that you feel aligned with, go for that. Absolutely. And don't do it just because, well, someone said, this is how I should go about get sponsors. So Arthur, tell me more about uh, being a mentor to other TEDx uh, organizers. When did you start that?
1: I think kind of from day one, uh, when I went to my first really? TEDx active, I just loved, again, I, I love stealing and sharing. And I became a big stealer of ideas, but also a big sharer of ideas where anything that I would do, I would put out there, I would give to people. I think we've even given our website to a couple of TEDx organizers, our, our entire framework. And we just believe in give, 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 and right. you know, you'll get in return. And that's worked out really well for us.
0: Well, you did a, you did a talk um, at TED Active, the one where they tried the experiment was to do it outdoors. And oh, yeah. that was in 2012. And you did a talk on name badges. And it was great because you one of your examples was Gordon's laser etched uh, name badges. Oh, yeah. Badges. I have it. Right? And, yeah. and funny and thing. I have one. He said his, his deal on that TEDx was that his budget was $20 for the whole TEDx.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Right? Cuz he cuz he had <laughs> yeah. to
0: go buy that sheet of wood. <laughs> like cuz he couldn't get someone <laughs> to give it to him. Just cracked cracked me up. What what part of so listener, if you're new, uh one of the things that that is encouraged is this sharing and having workshops and regional workshops and you may find yourself getting invited to a workshop because those of us who either are level 2 or on the road to level 2 Part of that is that you show, uh, initiative in hosting a workshop, uh, regionally. So that's a big part of how we all learn from one another. So this is kind of what hacking the red circle is about, right? Just as a way, but that doesn't replace the us sitting in a room with 30 or 40 or even 10 others that we can get ideas from. Have you been hosting workshops at Naperville as well?
1: No, uh, one time, one day I want to do it. But I don't know how these other organizers can do workshops right before their event because right? there's just way too much work involved. Right? It boggles my mind how they can do that. But I'd love to, but I just can't do it before my event. It's impossible.
0: Or they do it the day after. And the day after, it's like I'm hitting the snooze bar. There's no way yeah. I want to get up.
1: I check out for three months. I'm.
0: Done. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, we did a… Um, we did a brunch cause we had a lot of people from out of town and I felt like it was a wedding. You know, you have a wedding one day and then all the family, you have a big brunch the next day for all mm-hmm. the people from out of town. That's what it felt like. Cause you know, all the stress is gone. They've done their talk. Yeah. It was fantastic. You know, they've, they've done that. And uh, so I, I, I love how we learn from one another. Uh, when is your event this year? Have you already it's had it? November- it coming up? No, it's on November. We already talked about, it. I'm sorry, November 10th. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking forward to the most?
1: For the next event or yeah. just in general?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, well, you opened it up. So the next couple of years, I, I have a feeling you're not a guy who's saying this is my last event. You're, you're going to still do no. a couple.
1: I'm excited that we're positioning ourselves in our community to be a resource. And I'm, I'm excited where that's developing because two years ago, we, you know, you're required to show a TED talk. We showed Roman Mars how to design a flag, and we were very experiential, and we try to take all the TED Talks we have to show and make them interactive, and we challenged the community to design a new flag for our city, Naperville, because our flag breaks all the rules when Roman Mars talks about it. Sure enough, these six uh, high school sophomores started a committee to create a better flag. We jumped in as a resource to help them, not to push them, but not even to guide them, just to be a resource for them, and in true TEDx Naperville fashion, we're like, they actually developed a contest. They picked a new flag for the city unofficially.
0: Oh my gosh! And
1: we, sh- we of course showcased it, announced the winner on our stage with a thirty-foot flag, and oh then oh my gosh, we showed another TED talk on how to start a movement, and it did a little speech. And in tr- and truth, and this is how we operate at TEDx Naperville during the first interactive session or the break. We had purchased 400 flags, like 300, four by six flags, 200, three by five flags, and handed them out for free to everybody that was in the theater to start seeding the new, new flag initiative. And, and that was a great example of how, and we, by the way, pissed off a lot of some politicians too, which is pretty good. That was a, that was a secret win for us. But you can't create a flag in our city. Well, Watch yes this. And, and, and last year we had a speaker who's talking about the opiate addiction that, that's ravaging the country, especially sure. in the suburbs. Sure. And as a resource, he actually, the, the person who spoke is coming out with a, a a reality show. They're doing a special like one hour uh, pilot and we're representing him and on stage and he's going to do a speech and we're going to watch it live. And we have about 200 people, including like a US congressman. And so we're, we're, we're starting to be a resource for people because we're finding out that so many people think that they have to rely on the government or their own circle of influence to, for change or action. And we're trying to, be a resource that says, listen, we have 750 people that, that come to a sold out event. Every single person that attends, every single person that's on our team that volunteers is a potential resource to help your idea. And that's what I'm excited about how we can propel that and really help change in our community where people know that, Hey, I can go to the library. I can go to the government. I can go to TEDx Hmm.
0: Give me an example of, uh, uh, other than the flag where someone's took you up on that and said, Hey, that sounds pretty cool. Arthur. Um, Can you help us with fill in the blank? Yeah, the the
1: flag was. We just reached out to these students and said, "What are you guys trying to accomplish?" And and it's funny because these guys are sophomores. When I was a sophomore, I wouldn't want to design a flag for my city. If anything, I'd be like damaging it somehow. And and for us, it's such an inspirational story when you have six sophomores that actually want to make change in the community. And for TEDx and Naperville to be attached to that as a resource – and by resource, it was like strategic guidance. Hey, right. Talk to the mayor. Talk to the, talk to the, the council people. You know, work together. Get some businesses involved. And they followed all these, these, these rule sets. Uh, they did a contest with the top five. And that, that's how we – like a mentorship. Because we have somebody – every TEDx event has some really smart, brilliant people on their team. And yep. we're trying to leverage it outside of our event for community-driven objectives.
0: Do you do a youth event?
1: No, I, I, again, I'd love to, but it's just time. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. What's your day job? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur, and I was in the tech industry, but the, thanks to the the TEDx Naperville, I, I changed and I started a company where I do experiential design, all huh. based on my TED experiences. I yeah. love that. I so love it that. kind of changed my life. <laughs> it totally
0: changed your life, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, TED yeah. TED 2003 certainly changed my mind. Uh, that's uh, for sure. So now we come to the part of the show where I magically turn the red circle into a flying carpet and you and I are going to fly to any TEDx in the world. Which one are we going to?
1: Uh, It's TEDx Sydney. That's an easy one. Easy one. Why? Yeah. Twofold. Because one, I, I firmly believe without a doubt that you will find that airline partner. And I always wanted to go to Australia, (laughs) but early on, Watching TEDx events, they are one of the early ones that really grasped, like, to me, they, and I'm on their mailing list, they run like a, a TED event, and they're so isolated in a global sense, yep, 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 that yep, continent, yep, yep. And, and how they operate, uh, and, and I think they moved venues, but they're at the Opera House, but the organization and meeting the different people involved, it's almost like, it's like to me, it's a TED. It's just a TED that's in Australia. Very, oh, very I, much so, yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to go see their show and see what it's like.
0: I had Remo on the show a couple of weeks ago. It'll post in September and oh good. He's a he's a longtime tester buddy of ours, and it was great to talk to him about the show. And I watched the live stream as as many of us did, and what they pull off and the intricacies of all the things that they do is pretty uh, exceptional. And so much so that I'm going to have his uh, curatorial director on a special episode of the show.
1: Oh, and excellent. Talk to
0: her about. Because the the curation there is curation of performance, curation of the talks, curation of the films that are done, curation of the um they do a uh, fast talks. So they have people that come up and give a thirty second talk. I mean, it's just all this
1: thirty seconds. Yeah,
0: thirty second. Wow. Talk. Yeah, it's and they all they stand on the stay around the circle and they step into the center and give. It's kind of like your one true sentence, right? Like, what's that? You you can get a Ted talk down to one sentence. They can't have, we've seen it done. We teach that, right? So I'm going to have her on the show. I I love that. And then finally, I want to finish with, um, uh, you're such a resource driven guy. So thinking about this from a resource point of view, shows called hacking the red circle. I like to finish off with a hack. What's that free thing that organizers can do. That's going to make a material difference in their show.
1: It's funny. I've listened like to half of all your podcasts, and every time you mention the hack, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think there, <laughs> I don't think there is one. You can't fool people. There's there's no hacks. But th- th- the one thing I, I'll kind of say is that don't underestimate the power of sharing your deeper truth or of what you're about, of why you're doing it with a volunteer, with a speaker, with somebody on your team. If anything, that's the hack that that I found, because just telling your volunteer of why you're doing it and giving them implicit permission to do it is, is instead of you making why sense?
0: you're doing it. Yeah. No, no. You're on to something. It. Why you as the organizer, why do you spend a thousand hours of your valuable time producing this event? And by sharing that deeper truth for you as the license holder and the, you know, as you said earlier, the things that you, you tell, would tell them is content is king, uh, print out that quote, which is there's no secret to failure, but remember it's your show. So it's the companion to that, which is the why you're doing it. Is that what I'm hearing? Did I get that right?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we do with volunteers is our internal mission shortened is to kick our cities to kick naperville in the pants and by kicking the pants does that mean through diversity through culture through ideas through action and it's all the above and for that volunteer that that wants more diversity in the community they have their mission statement that's their why for that somebody that wants more ideas or more actions everybody kind of has their own take on that and they have permission to explore that um it's really giving people permission to, to be creative and to support that why. Instead of me telling them exactly what to do and how to do it, it's just saying why we're doing it.
0: Got it. I, uh, My mother-in-law, after our first one, she saw us work four months pretty much nonstop, as many hours as you can work in a week. We did work in a week. The first year, we didn't know in 2010 how much it was going to take. And she said, why are you, you, and you don't get paid. She says, why are you guys doing this? Like, seriously, deep question. And I said, I've been doing community service and volunteering my whole adult life. And there was always in the back of my mind, there was always something in it for me in some way or another, you know, why Mm -hmm. I was doing it. This is the first thing I've done. That it wasn't about me at all. It was true serving other people. And she says, wow. Okay. I, I get that. I don't know if I could do that, but I get why you're doing it. And I think that's what it is. Cause there really isn't, you know, you know, you're, you're contributing. It's gotten so much bigger now in seven years, right? We're contributing to this Absolutely. global library of ideas. Um, but understanding the why I love that. And that's, the thing I like about hacks is they're free, they're easy, they're ones that you can share, and they, they make a material difference,
1: don't they? Absolutely.
0: Arthur, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's, uh, now everyone can put a little pin in their map because they know where Naperville is. And uh, what's, uh, what's the, um, I asked this of, of Ch- uh, Chisena uh, Maurizio, uh, What do you have a food that Naperville is known for? Nope.
1: <laughs> That's easy. Okay,
0: Next question. There you go. <laughs> yes and Mark. Uh yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes and.
1: Yes. yes and, and uh
0: yes and so um I love it. Thank you so much for joining us on the right. show. This has been fantastic and uh I look hey, forward to thanks running for into you.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing and uh I love your musical intro, which is really cool. That, that gets oh. me going. I'm like, yeah, here we go. Uh, <laughs> and I look forward to meeting you soon. So <laughs> perfect. Good to see you, buddy. Right. Take care. Bye. Right, take care. All right. All right. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to hacking the red circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show, or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to Mark at hacking, the red Please be sure to rate, write and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.